Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. Well, good morning, church. And uh, last week, Mike started us off on our frontline journey. And hopefully lots of us have had a chance to look further at this in our life groups and have been thinking about how we can be fruitful on our front lines. This week, we're looking at wherever we are. And our Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 28 and beginning to read at verse 22. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, it's Genesis 28 verses 10 to 22. And it's entitled Jacob's Dream at Bethel. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and travelled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel or Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if you will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshipping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives to me. So... First, some background on Jacob. And if you want to read more about him, you can find his story in earlier chapters of Genesis. We know that Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, had had an encounter with God. And despite his old age, he had received a promise from God that he would father a nation of descendants that would be far more numerous than the stars in the sky. His wife, Sarah, miraculously gave birth to a son, Isaac, in her old age, a son whom Abraham, in obedience to God, was about to sacrifice 
when God stopped him and provided a ram instead. Isaac went on to marry Rebecca and she gave birth to twins. And this was clearly a difficult pregnancy. Verse 22 tells us that the two children struggled with each other in her womb. When Rebecca asked the Lord about this, the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Now, in Jewish culture, we know that the oldest son was always the one who would have the birthright, the inheritance, his father's blessing. So this word from the Lord would have been puzzling and controversial. Esau, the firstborn of the twins, was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. And he grew up to be an outdoor man, a skillful hunter. He was his father's favourite. His very name, Esau, means hair. As a young man, we read, he was willing to trade away his rights as the firstborn with Jacob, just for a meal of stew. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. He was his mother's favourite. His name means heel, because he was holding on to his brother's heel at birth but it also means deceiver. And deceiver Jacob was, because Isaac, when Isaac was about to die, Jacob, aided and abetted by his mother, tricked his father, who was nearly blind, into giving him, instead of Esau, his final blessing. And it was a beautiful blessing. From the dew of heaven and the riches of the earth, May God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants. May they bow down to you. May you be master over your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. And all who curse you will be cursed. And all who bless you will be blessed. And we can imagine Esau's fury and Isaac's distress when they discovered Jacob's trickery. From that time on, the Bible says, Esau hated Jacob and began scheming to kill his brother. So for Jacob's safety, Rebecca and Isaac sent Jacob away to his uncle Laban to find a wife. And it was on this journey that our reading starts. And it was on this journey that he had this dream. And what a dream it was, a dream of a stairway to heaven with angels going up and down. And then a word from the Lord himself, a wonderful promise. I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And what's more, I'm with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. An amazing encounter with God himself. And a realisation for Jacob that the God of his family, his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham, was actually real. That he, Jacob, this scheming, deceiving man, 
was known by God, that he was part of God's plan and that he had seen heaven and heard the voice of God with his own eyes and his own ears in this incredible dream. And Jacob's reaction to this encounter was fear. It was awe. And he recognised that this place was special. He marked it by setting up a memorial pillar as an act of worship, pouring out olive oil in an anointing and renaming the place Bethel, the house of God. He resolved that if God was true to his promises and he returned safely to his father's house, then the Lord would certainly be his God and he would give to God a tenth of everything God gave him. It's a familiar Old Testament account, and there are plenty more in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we could have looked at this morning to tell us about God encounters. Moses in the burning bush, the boy Samuel in the temple, Gideon hiding in a wine press, Elijah sheltering in the mouth of a cave, Saul struck blind on the road to Damascus. But what do these accounts have to tell us today? Does God meet with us today, here, right where we are? And how does he meet with us? Well, yes, God certainly does meet with us today. And we are all different, all individuals, unique and special to God. And as we saw with Jacob and so many of the characters in the Bible, we don't have to be squeaky clean for God to meet with us. We can expect him, because we are all different, to meet with us in a way that works for us, wherever we are, whatever our past, whatever our circumstance. It might be through dreams, the kind of dream that Jacob had, where you wake up and you remember every bit of it and you never forget it. The kind of dream that you know in your knower was from God. Sometimes that dream will be just for you. Sometimes it's to share with someone else. Twice I've been given dreams that have blessed someone else at the right time when I've been able to share them with them. It might be through a voice. We know that the boy Samuel heard his name being called and he didn't recognise God's voice at first and he had to ask Eli the priest about it. But finally, he was able to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Elijah heard God's still small whisper of a voice at the mouth of the cave he was hiding in. God still speaks to some in an audible voice today. It might be a visit from an angel like Gideon, Mary and Joseph. And there are plenty of accounts of angel visitations in our times. It might be through a picture or a vision. I was doing a prayer walk some years ago and it was at the time of harvest and as we walked through the lanes so the the hard lane surface was, was scattered with corn with, with wheat that had been harvested and the field that we walked past was covered in black birds feasting on, on the grain that had been dropped. And we prayed into that picture, the, the parable of the sower, that, that the seeds that we were praying and sowing into, into the place where we were prayer walking would come to fruition and not be uh, sown on hard, stony ground and not be 
eaten up by birds. And the next day, in a time of worship at Wow, one of the ladies who we hadn't spoken to suddenly stopped us and said, I just had a picture from God. She said, I don't know what it means, she said, but it was of a field and it was covered with black birds and they were gobbling up all of the wheat, all of the, all of the corn in the field. And she said, as I was watching, a great wave, a cloud whooshed across the field and sent all these birds up into the air and they dropped the grain that they were eating. And my friend and I, who had been on the prayer walk, just looked at each other in amazement because she described exactly what we had seen. And we just knew that it was a confirmation from the Lord that he had heard our prayers and that those prayers were not going to be wasted and lost. It could be a verse of scripture, one of those verses that jumps off the page and catches your attention because it answers or confirms a question that you've been asking or a prayer that you've been praying. It could be a burning bush. We know that Moses was stopped in his tracks by a burning bush, but maybe something that catches your attention and makes you stop in your tracks and turn aside to investigate, something that reveals more of God to you. I have a friend who is constantly telling me that she sees kingfishers everywhere she goes by water. She sees a kingfisher. And for her, that flash of the kingfisher is, a, is just a, a blessing from God that she takes for herself. It could be a word from someone else. It is the answer to a question you've been asking or a word of comfort or reassurance that was needed just for that moment. We never know when a word we speak to someone can be just the word from God that they needed. It could be a line from a hymn or a song. I remember in the middle of a, a Women's World Day of Prayer service long ago, singing the lovely hymn, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. And I knew at that moment, in the middle of that hymn, that God was speaking to me. And that day, I gave my life to the Lord. I've been going to church all my life, going through the motions, but that day God became real to me. And these are only a few of the ways that God can meet with us. Jacob was on a journey. Do we need to be on a journey to encounter God? Some people find that they can meet with God more easily in a different setting, with no distractions from the outside world. And they go deliberately, intentionally, to meet with God, to a retreat centre or on a pilgrimage. Indeed, there are places known to be still places, holy places, where it seems like heaven and earth meet. Places like Falderbrennan in Pembrokeshire, or nearer to home, Langasty Church on the shores of Langors Lake. Others might have a special place close to home, in their garden, or on a walk nearby. I know a lady who has a special bench in her local park where she goes to just sit and spend time with God. It could be a room in our house or a chair in a quiet corner. It can just as easily become a meeting place with God. But you know, God doesn't need to make a special journey to meet with us. He doesn't need us to go to a special place because he knows us. He knows our hearts and he loves to meet with us right where we are, just as he did with Jacob 
just as he did with Gideon, in the middle of our daily life and give us special moments. When we go to our ordinary everyday places in the name of Jesus, they become touching points between heaven and earth. Jacob's God encounter was life-changing for him. How does an encounter with God change us? In all of the accounts that we read in the Bible, the people who encountered God were never the same again. How could you be after encountering the living God? We read that when Moses came down from the mountain after meeting with God, his face shone so brightly that he had to cover his face with a veil. Jacob, that deceiving trickster who had wronged his mother and was, sorry, his brother, and was fleeing for his life, thinking only of himself, was overcome with awe, overcome with fear, and the realization that this God of his father and his grandfather was not just a story, but reality. The covenant that he had surely heard his father speaking about applied to him as well. He was part of God's plans and purposes, part of something so much bigger than he could ever have imagined. That ordinary camping place out in the wilderness became holy ground for him. He was led to worship and to pledge his life to serve this real and living God. And when we have had an encounter with the living God, it changes us too. Because we too realise that God is real, that he knows me, he loves me, he knows what I'm going through, he wants to use me, I'm part of his plans and purposes, and that is awesome. We can't just be casual about our faith anymore. We want more of God. We can never be the same again. It leads us to worship, to want to read more of his word in our Bibles and spend more time seeking him out in prayer, going deeper in our faith. And like Moses with his shining face, something of that encounter always stays with us and other people begin to notice. And as we're out on that front line that we're thinking about at the moment, wherever and whatever that may be, with our family, with our work, with our neighbours, whoever, it is that God reality, his Holy Spirit working in and through us that opens our eyes to what we can do, how we can be a blessing, what we can say that will encourage and bless those around us and sow seeds that we pray will lead them to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and having that God encounter for themselves. So two questions in this week, for this week in our second frontline service. Firstly, have I had that God encounter that has made God real to me? And if the answer is no, then ask the Lord for an encounter with him. Our God is a God of relationship. He wants to have that personal, that intimate relationship with us through the Holy Spirit. Not a one-off encounter, but a long-term enduring relationship where we can walk in step with him. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 says, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. 
Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask the Lord and expect to encounter him. In Psalm 109, we read David praying, But now, O Yahweh God, make yourself real to me like you promised me you would. And when God is real to us, we can demonstrate his reality to others. And as we become more intentional in meeting with God through our daily devotions, our quiet times, our worship, seeking out those God moments that come, usually unexpectedly, like the flash of the kingfisher, those moments that can happen anywhere, anytime, right where we are. So we are equipped with those fruits of the spirit that Paul speaks of in Galatians 5. I love the passion translation of those verses. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its expressions. Divine love in all its expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. And secondly, where is our front line? Because God can reach people everywhere in all the situations that we find ourselves in our daily lives. Who are those people that we encounter day by day, week by week? How can we bless those we encounter, whether face to face or remotely? What are the ways we can demonstrate what our faith means to us through our random acts of kindness and service and love? How can we be fruitful on our own front lines, wherever we are? Let's pray. Father, just as you became real to Jacob and turned his life around, so by your Holy Spirit would you become real to us. Would you meet with us as we, go deep, as we seek to go deeper in our faith and be fruitful in your service? May we be intentional in seeking you out through our worship, our scripture study, our prayer times, and may we be continually filled and led by the Holy Spirit, growing in mature faith and demonstrating that divine love in all its expressions in our daily lives. And may we make a difference in the places you have put us, our front lines, wherever that may be. Open our eyes to see the people and situations you are leading us to so that you may be seen in and through us as we step out in faith. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.